0: The Dragon Re-Red is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club.
1: Did you know armadillos were the first animals to use shopping carts? But they only use them for downhill racing, and they always race for pink slips.
0: (laughs) (laughs) For more armadillo-related facts, to find out how you can access episodes a day early, and to see some cool merchandise, visit us at armadillo.club.
2: Wheel of Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there. Welcome to The Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I'm Jeff Lake.
0: I'm Alice Sullivan.
2: And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're talking about chapters one through five of New Spring, the prequel of The Wheel of Time. So this is your spoiler warning. This We we have already read all the 14 other books. If you didn't know there are 14 books, then spoiler warning again. <laughs> uh uh, we uh, we talk about the ending, we talk about everything that happens, especially in the recap that you are about to hear. Uh, this is your last spoiler warning.
0: Okay. Strap in, folks.
1: <clears throat> Previously, some <laughs> kids from Two Rivers had their lives turned upside down when they hitch a ride on the Moiraine train on the long road to destiny. They got in one little fight and their mom got scared. <laughs> <laughs> and they moved with their auntie and uncle to the pit of... Mount or something,
0: (laughs) yeah. That's good, yeah. Ran gets
1: caught up in magical hero so Ran gets caught up in magical heroic fate shit and ends up with an insane (laughs) wizard living rent-free in his head. His sanity slowly deteriorates until on the verge of destroying reality, he comes to terms with his head wizard. In the end, he crawls into a hole where he dies and lives happily ever after.
2: Oh yeah, that happened. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Perrin gets super into furry wolf boy shit and gets into an abusive relationship with a bird. When she gets kidnapped... <laughs> it's true, right? When she gets kidnapped, he goes real dark with it but finds some peace by sleeping more. Relatable, right? He transcends into a super sleeper where he can sleep with his whole body instead of just his mind. He ends up as the king of his hometown. Yeah, that's good. Matt finds a dagger that eats like 90% of his brain, but luckily he finds some shady dudes in an interdimensional back alley who are more than happy to jam a bunch of ancient warrior brains in there for the low, low price of his life. He spends a lot of time shouting about how he's not a hero as he does sort of a Monster of the Week arc where he keeps accomplishing legendary feats. He ends up married to the empress of a nation of slavers and I guess finds some way to be okay with that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think Matt's strategy of just never thinking
1: about the future ever is really working for him there, in that relationship. <laughs> it did, it really did, yeah. He's. Uh, I mean, you know whatever. how you find happiness, right? Yeah. Egwene goes to Hogwarts and joins a trio of magical people who go <laughs> on zany adventures together. She winds up in captivity, getting the shit beat out of her, like, three different times. But through careful planning, a little luck, and a world-breaking rebellion, she becomes one of the most powerful women in the world. Until her shitty boyfriend yeets himself into an evil wizard, and she decides to spend the rest of eternity as a big shiny rock. <laughs> uh, that is better than being bonded to go in, right <laughs> i think she came out on top honestly <laughs> nynaeve discovers she's a mega powerful witch but still solves all of her problems with face punching she gets the series mvp award for repeatedly moving the plot forward by sheer force of will she helps Rand clean the dark one's taint and hooks up with maureen's bodyguard becoming the queen of a country that no longer exists after spending, like, three books influencing world leaders and trying to corral an increasingly erratic Rand, Maureen gets turned to Portal Goo, where she remains for most of the series. She's suddenly returned by one of Matt's many heroic adventures, and she goes down the murder hole with Rand. She ends up married to an elderly drifter who has an uncanny ability to pull in world-class ass. No one, can, <laughs> no one understands why.
2: <laughs> True. I mean, okay, this may be an inappropriate subject. But in terms of like your life partner that you would choose, right? Like yeah. on the entire with the entire spectrum of like fuckability to uh, dateability to like a, a really good
1: person to, to have in your life, would Moraine be high on the list? Yeah, she's. I, I mean, she's she's like powerful. She's very smart. She's you know very, by all accounts she's very pretty and she's rich. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Is she is she queen of Kyrian or something? No, Elaine uh, She yeah she would she might be like she, she's she's definitely in the you know if she weren't a nice guy she would definitely be in the ascendancy but yeah. she's not so but still even even without that she's she's pretty rich so she's the biggest catch i think i would say so and tom just like whew, locked that down somehow <laughs> you know they say the man has a silver tongue but it's not how you think <laughs> <laughs> And finally, Bella carried her charges across the entire world, sampling the finest oats the kingdom had to offer and taking frequent and luxurious naps. She saves the world by delivering the Hornblower unscathed to the final battle, then spreads her golden wings and flies off into an eternal sunlit sky.
0: Bye-bye, little Bella.
1: (laughs) And that's it. I think that just about covers it.
0: Yeah, I think that was everything.
1: I only did the characters who were there at the beginning, because who cares about the other ones? I can't believe that took 14 books. Yeah, I know, right? You know, that didn't seem like that much, right? <laughs> there was a lot of walking in between. That's true.
2: All right, now it is time to judge this book, the best way there is to judge a book, by its cover.
1: Yeah, this, this is a this is like a classic uh, Wheel of Time cover right here. This is good. Here. This is like, it looks like an alt cover, right?
2: It, it could be uh, Eye of the World because it's got moraine and land right there. Yeah,
0: right? I was gonna say I think that somebody just literally like cut out moraine on her horse from the Eye of the World and just like pasted it on there. It could
1: be. Yeah, she looks very similar. Very
0: very similar. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, she is ageless because the whole eyeside mm, thing. True. Right?
0: And she always rides her horse just like that.
1: Yeah. We also have with when a stick. Pretty sh- Oh yeah. Wh- what's the deal with that stick? She doesn't. Does she have a staff? I don't remember there being a magic uh, staff. But well, she had a staff in Eye of the World for sure. Oh, what? Remember Did she spanned it
2: above her head and made fire come out of it and was like, you women's fielders, you have forgotten your genetic heritage. No, like, I don't remember that. I don't that, remember the that staff. I remember that scene, well, okay, but I don't spoiler remember Spoiler for staff. chapter two. Of
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> come on, it's been literally five years. <laughs> Sorry we don't remember your staff, Jeff.
1: <laughs> we also have uh, Lan, recognizable both by his Hadori and his iconic swords, which he, which he seems to have stuck in his horse's butt. Oh no. Mm, so right Aw,
0: poor horsey. I guess well, that's, that's why they
1: call him Mandarb, right? Well this is this is not the, the he doesn't have Mandarb yet. Oh, that's the right. That's probably not Mandarb. They don't live that long, man. Wait, how long ago does this book happen? Like twenty years. Yeah. Like, how long do you think horses live? I think six, seven months. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's off to the glue factory. <laughs> we got look, we have glue quotas to fill as, them in. As soon as
2: they learn how to work the their stable the, the stable doors with their little hooks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they live like five years, something like that.
1: Yeah. Oh. I, I, I appreciate that we have Maureen. You, you can see just like how tiny she is, and she also has an equally tiny horse, which is something they mentioned in the book.
2: I Appreciate that a yeah. proportional horse. Yeah. Which she goes to the stable to get a horse, she's like, "I'd like one that fits me, please." <laughs> yeah.
1: No, yeah. the average life of horses ranges between twenty-five to thirty years.
0: Holy shit! So, really?
1: Yeah. So mandarb—that could just be a, a young mandarb. Yeah. Strapping young mandarb.
2: Yeah. It, so, chapter one, the hook, icon of the helmet. Uh, we get a wind-related intro. Yeah,
1: this it, is... It's actually, not the same one. I actually like this. This, is a, this felt like a classic Robert Jordan opener, even though it was a little different, yeah.
2: Yeah, it was, this was cool. I like his like little remix, you know? Uh, we find Lan, who is checking out the sentries at an army camp uh,
1: where they've been fighting Aiel in the snow outside tar yeah, so this is the Iel War, which we have heard a lot about, but, you know, this is our first time getting seen from there. Yeah. yeah.
2: That's that's neat, because Lan is a borderlander, and he's all about Blight stuff, but even he and his
1: guys came down to
2: fight in the Aiel War. Everybody did.
3: Yeah.
1: Lan thinks to himself about how he avoids Aes Sedai because they tend to tie strings to you, and I was like, oh, man. You no don't buddy. even know. If you only knew Bro,
2: I also, yep. he, he's sort of walking around the camp, waking up the sentries who, who, so they don't freeze to death, and and pondering things. Uh, and what he thinks about, I thought the most was his sword. <laughs> I, I thought that's that's very land, right? What does he think about when he's got nothing else to do? He just thinks about a sword.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> what are you thinking about? You know, just sword thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Swordy. <laughs> got a really good sword. It's magic. Does his you know?
0: sword have a name? Sometimes swords have names, right? That's a thing. Yeah. That's like true. Excalibur.
2: Am I remembering wrong? But I thought there was something. Somebody- I thought at some point they said the Borderlanders don't name their swords because they're just tools, right? You, like a Faramir, you don't, you don't love the sword for its sharpness or the arrow for its swiftness. You love what they protect. That sounds like sure. something you would say, absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah. And we get a little a little bit of the world's history, too.
2: Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And they, he kind of thinks that the Aela War is so destructive that it's just as bad as the Trolloc Wars. Or, or the Hundred Years War that, that Hawkwing, after Hawkwing died.
0: Yeah, because he's, I was I was trying to put it in order here. So it, there was the breaking of the world. A thousand years later, there were the Trolloc Wars. Yeah. A thousand years after that was Archer Hawkwing and the War of a hundred years, right? Yeah. And then we're a thousand years after that?
1: Correct. Okay. I, I actually didn't realize, like, I, maybe I knew this and I just forgot, but I didn't realize the span of time that we were talking about, like, this 3,000 year. It's, it's hard to it's hard to think about that kind of span of time and recorded... Because we don't have that kind of recorded history. And, yeah. Like, well, what our, we our entirety... Exa-
2: we kind of exactly do. That's, like, what yeah. we have a lot of recorded history for. Out, out to, like, 2,500, 3,000 years. Mm-hmm. Barely, right? Like, yeah, yeah, 2,500. We're not quite to 3,000 years. But, like, the ancient Greeks, that was, you know, BC 600, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's kind of ridiculous because, like, our whole civilization grew up in... Less than three thousand years. Yeah. So the idea that they've been sitting there with you know books and writing and and like trade and all this stuff and they haven't actually built a
1: civilization to rival the Age of Wonders in that amount of time is kind of ridiculous. But yeah, it's, it's fantasy, right? Well, also, also, I, I I get the impression that well, first of all, uh, every thousand years the Dark One seems to come along and kick all their their sandcastles down, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So there's, there's that. But also, uh, it seems like the world as as we see it in the uh the wheel of time series is 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 like a decline world you know whether there, there are people there are less people their their cities are shrinking you know we, i think we talked about the fact that like there's a lot of empty land because yeah everything's kind of deteriorating it's not improving. just totally empty ruined cities in places that aren't wastelands right yeah, yeah
0: and they've kind of regressed to like the middle ages again
2: yeah which i that seems to be like that has to have supernatural force to me because that that doesn't make any sense no uh but whatever you know yeah uh, anyway they it's interesting to me that they think the ail war is so apocalyptic
1: that it's just as bad as the trolloc wars and the the hundred years war which seems kind of crazy right if you think about the trolloc wars where the trollocs came down from the the waste and they they, they pushed all the way to um what's it uh where where the two rivers is now but like that, yeah. that's pretty far south but i think i think
2: Basically, well, we know what happens, right? Uh, the Ail War, the Aiel don't see it as a war. They're just here to kill that one guy. And when they do that, they just go home. Yeah. yeah. So I think that they're basically, if the Ail were still fighting, if they really wanted to conquer the world, they would have.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: that's a good point. Right? It, it would have been as apocalyptic as the Trolloc Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just
1: did, the, accomplished their task and were done, you know? Yeah.
2: Um, and of course, we know that the reason for the Ail War uh, that was woven by the pattern was in order to get Rand to be born on the Dragon Mount. Yeah. Which is why Laman was born. He was so prideful that he he burned the, the or...
0: He made uh, a chair out of the tree. He made a chair tree. out of the
2: Aventasora tree, uh, which was given to his ancestors in the time right after the breaking of the world. So the pattern made that happen. Made these one group of proto-Kyrian and be nice to the Aeel so that this giant war would happen like, you know, 2800 years later just to get the just because the pattern promised that the guy would be born on Dragonmount <laughs> and he had to be an Aiel baby too. You yeah, know, the pattern plays a long game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's I think it's entertaining how much how much of this revolves around these these tiny little points that have to come true.
1: Yeah, I think it'd be fun to like plot out the the prophesied like course of the, the events that happened that directly caused prophesied things to happen. And it'd be kind of a cool like domino thing to to plot out, I think. Yeah. I'm sure someone's already done it, but you know. Yeah. Uh, also, Lan's uh, remaining keeper is there with him, Bukama, who is a man steel-made flesh, which I think is fitting for Lan, a man made of stone. <laughs> <laughs> that's a real man right there. Yeah. Uh,
2: and if Lan's thinking about thinking that about him, then that's very impressive. Yeah. Right. Uh, there's lots of really good Robert Jordan description. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's actually all these chapters. I missed this. I, Robert Jordan's a really good writer. You know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, uh, I, I mean, as I, I'm sure at this point we discussed a lot, like, uh, there are things that he is excellent at. Like, you know, I, even in the early books, I, you know, just the the world descriptions, yeah. the, the way he like buries hints of a of a legendary past and like little details, it's fin- fantastic. Like, he's he builds a world unlike any, maybe any other writer I've read, you know?
2: Yeah. So, Lan. Lynn- Uh, gets a message from a Terran lord who says there's some Io coming by and he wants land to help him set a trap for them.
0: This was so shifty. Like, this surprised me. Then it
2: was like, oh, I don't know his name, but I guess there's a lot of lords out there. Yeah. This guy was
1: an absolute asshole, right? Yeah, he's a total jerk. Yeah. Uh,
2: I... It is weird, but I wonder if we're miscalibrated because we're, we're used to thinking about the world where the Forsaken are out there manipulating people all the time.
0: I don't know. This just felt very sketched to
2: me. It was. But but yeah, Lan goes for it. And so yeah. he wakes up all of his guys. Poor guys. I know. Uh, and they do a march overnight in the snow to get to the, where the battle's going to be. hmm And uh, they set up on a ridge to await the Aiel. Uh, and Lan is... He keeps thinking about, oh, I'll probably die. And he, he's thinking about, I, I'm sure that I will never die in my bed. I'm going to die in battle for sure, suresees. Yeah. But like, totally, is going to die in bed. We probably. know that, right? Yeah, yeah. probably.
3: Yeah.
1: Oh, he oh, meant it in gonna... a
0: non-sexual way. Because oh. <laughs> I was like, Naive, yeah, he and Naive are going to be going to pound
1: town. <laughs> yeah, Naive is going to make sure that's where he dies. Forever. <laughs> yeah.
2: And it turns out that it's a much larger force of Aiel than the Terran Lord was expecting. Uh, and Lan and crew prepare to die because they don't have any way to beat this many
1: Aiel. And they're mm. not going to retreat. They're going to, you know.
2: Yeah, it's like, oh, well, it's die time, you guys. <laughs> However.
1: High five yes. each other. Time to die. Yeah.
2: But trumpets sound that they don't understand. Lots of trumpets coming from the direction of Tarvalon and, and all around. And the Aiel
1: don't attack. Well, they don't. It's not that they, just that they don't attack they, I think they're saluting, right? Yeah. They 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 salute him as On Alain. Yeah. Which we know is
2: the Aiel name for Lan, but I guess he doesn't know that at the He point. doesn't. Yeah.
0: He's like, oh, it means one man alone. What does it mean?
2: Yeah. And uh, Lan is confused by this. And the Aiel uh, head off and leave.
0: Do you get the feeling Lan isn't the greatest thinker? I mean, I guess not yet. Maybe after- Maybe Moraine taught him. Yeah.
2: After hanging with Moraine for 20 years. Yeah. He becomes a much sharper- Yeah uh blade sharper I
0: mean, more more uh attuned to nuance and politics yeah, and you're, stuff
2: you're right that guy was super sketch yeah and and even his his buddy like the the bodyguard super soldier guy was like that guy's super sketch and Len's yeah like, well i don't care if he's super sketchy
1: he said he worked for a for somebody i should work for <laughs> yeah And i always do what i promise even <laughs> yeah. if it's stupid yeah <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, like this, this is young land, right? Like he's, he's, uh, when we, when we catch up with him, he's had 20 years of age, experience, wisdom, whatever. You that's know? a good
2: point. He's, he is young. I mean, he was what? 40s, something like that during the, uh, the wheel of time. So uh, he's yeah, early twenties
1: so, now. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So he's, yeah, he, I he's, guess he he's was, a stupid kid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess he was more focused on, um, controlling his emotions than actually thinking strategically.
1: It's true.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I got all those, like, what does it say? There were 10 bodyguards that that carried him as a baby out of the the disaster. Yeah. And five of them were raised him like his father's and only one of them is alive. But I guess, like... It was one of those other five that
1: teach, like, you know, smart stuff. <laughs> that guy died, yeah. Same. Yeah, the, the book guy. The book guy didn't make it. Yeah, he was carrying guy. all his books. Yeah, they, he <laughs> <laughs> they just slowed it down. <laughs> they made him carry You're the book guy, man. you got to carry all the books.
2: <laughs> okay, guys, I'll keep up. Don't worry about me. <laughs> I, hope, I hope we don't run into any of those those book-seeking worms. <laughs> the evil evil trees that eat people with books. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not going to see those. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, how many of us were there? I don't know. Ask the book guy. He counts things. <laughs> <laughs>
1: what was his name? Barry Bookmore. Yeah. I'm, I'm just the head chopper guy. I chop people's heads.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm gonna teach this baby to chop heads. <laughs> and that's why Lan was really good at chopping heads. He was
2: very good at that. <laughs> so and uh, yeah, Lan is confused. Chapter two, I think the trumpets are like, I think it's because Lamont is dead, right? Yeah, I, I think so too. We,
1: we catch the trumpets from the, from in this next chapter too, from the other yeah. side.
2: Chapter two, a wish fulfilled. I can have the wheel of time. Moiraine and Swan Sanchez wait upon the Amarlin seat in her office.
1: Yeah, so th- they're accepted right now. We're catching them uh, before they're even raised to Aes Sedai. Yeah. Uh, and they're, uh, it seems like it really sucks to wait upon the Amarlin seat. It's in her office cold and they're just like their job is to stand there and not be noticed
2: Yeah right and they, they don't know the I, said I trick of not being cold but the Amalin is Tamra and her keeper is Guitara
1: who she's a her. musician right? <laughs> uh, yeah she's a Spanish musician <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: No guitar didn't she become a dark friend?
1: Here? She was black Aja yeah okay but... was she? I didn't
2: yeah. remember that I'm pretty sure she got called out oh. and that like sparked my memory. Remember, there was all that conspiracy stuff about the unpleasantness that happened twenty years ago. Yeah, which
0: nobody ever talks about.
1: Yeah, what was that? We don't. I wonder. I actually kind of wonder if we're gonna find out in this book. I really yeah. hope so. Yeah, because because I, I, I didn't remember until reading this that we didn't.
2: We never got a re- yeah. resolution of that. We
1: know that a an Amerlin was tortured and died. Oh shit! I bet the Black Aja captured her and tortured her to find out what Guitara said. <laughs> Oh, oh. that's something new. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, That's crazy. a
0: good prediction.
2: Right. So the Maureen is frustrated that she
1: is not being involved in the war. Yeah, well, I love which this is really <laughs> on brand. I know. Yeah, this is great. The, like a lot of this chapter takes place inside of Maureen's head entirely, and which is great because we get a lot of expository stuff here. Yeah. Uh, Swan and Maureen are close friends, of course.
2: I, I thought this was pretty amusing because she's standing there thinking about how. Unreadable I said are right? and she's thinking that for our benefit the reader to remind us that Aes Sedai never show an emotion right And then she reads those two Aes Sedai like a book for this entire chapter. <laughs> that
1: is true. <laughs> that is true. Uh, and, and you know, arguably that's Maureen one of Maureen's skills because she was Kyrian. Kyrian, right yeah. yeah
0: the whole game of houses.
2: yeah, and then then Tamra and Guitara, who has the foretelling, uh-huh. uh, they're worried about something and Maureen doesn't know what, but uh, they're yeah they're pretty upset. And uh, Maureen and Swan are bros. Even though they're from different backgrounds, they're both White Tower prodigies. They both race through being a novice and they're super accepted. And they just have a real, they're real simpatico, right?
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, you know, speaking of things that like the pattern might have had a hand in, I suppose, right? Mm-hmm. These two people from entirely different backgrounds who are suddenly really close. Yeah, that was... That became necessary for, you know, bringing...
2: Yeah, that's a good point, right? Because they... Because they were key to the events that, that eventually unfold. Yeah. And then the trumpets sound the same ones the heard, They're tra- sounding from all around. Tamara sends Maureen to check it out. Basic tutorial fetch quest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Get used to the controls. Yeah. Uh, Maureen busts a novice who's reading a steamy romance novel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right. You know, you gotta you gotta fuck with the the younger generation as is tradition.
2: Yeah. And I and Maureen tries to like yeah dead. Scare her a little bit that she's getting to get in trouble, but then she screws it up when she says like, "Well, go back to your reading." <laughs> uh, and I, I kind of like how Maureen kind of sucks at the I said I talk.
1: Yeah, she's yeah. like still trying to tune her air of superiority. That when we meet her in the the later books, she's got it like, you know.
2: Yeah, she never slips. And then when she heads back in, uh, the novice doesn't know what's going on either. Uh, Guitara has her famous foretelling of the dragon
1: in reborn. Yes. Yeah, this is this is uh, something that we have heard about so many times throughout the series, right? Like this this event is really what kicked off the whole thing for for Mooring and Swan. Like it changed the course of their lives, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And this is it's it's so dramatic. And this is I like to think of these foretellings or the the prophecies that occur as the pattern being inartful in in changing the course of events because the pattern needed Moraine and Swan to to do this thing. Sure. And so like she comes back into the room and the pattern like puts its finger in, boop, makes the foretelling happen, and she mm-hmm. sees it and becomes part of it. Yeah. Uh, it's very dramatic because
1: guitar <laughs> shouts, "He is born!" His cries shatter the earth. Blah blah blah. And then she dies. Oh, <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Like uh, I, I guess I forgot that she like she died on that spot. Like she she uttered the prophecy and then. Croaked it. <laughs> it's so epic.
3: hmm
0: And we don't find out what she had been writing.
1: Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, yeah maybe a letter, maybe some orders. It's hard to say, yeah. Then the Armourland swears them both, Moraine and
2: Swan, to secrecy about what they've seen and tell her to lie if necessary.
1: Yeah, given what we know about the prophecies of the dragon, you can see why a foretelling like this is so dangerous, right? Like, just the idea that the dragon has been born means that essentially the world is about to end. Yeah. Like yeah. within, within all their lifetimes probably. Yeah. This is going to change everything. Yeah. Cuz uh, I mean we know where things go but like as far as everyone knows and as far as people have mostly interpreted the prophecies it's going to crush the world one way or the other, right? Even if they win. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then uh, she sends Maureen and Swan away. Chapter 3. Practice icon of the fish. Maury and Eswan head to study some more instead of sleeping. They've
1: been up all night. I feel so bad for them. Yeah, that's rough. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I, like, they, like when you, when you haven't slept, nothing feels good, right? Yeah. And they're yeah. trying to go about their, their business as usual as best they can. But it's like, there's a war going on. So the walls, they just learned that the world's ending in their lifetime. You know, but I guess somebody's got to keep the wheels yeah. on, right? They
2: still got midterms coming up. Right? <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Very yeah. relatable, I suppose, in a way.
2: I really liked how the White Tower was described in this chapter which is not how I remember it being. It's very colorful, right? Everything like in, in the common areas, every color of the seven colors is represented an equal amount, you know, for mm-hmm. political reasons. Yeah. But I like how, you know, there'd be like a blue hanging and a red carpet with white border and just rainbowish. I like rainbows. It seemed, it seemed really nice. It seemed much more appealing than the white tower has been described before and way better than that stupid TV show. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's like, it, it seems like it became more like stark later or, or, uh, like ascetic or whatever, right?
2: Yeah. So Maureen is practicing her uh, her magic tests, which I guess is the ones that uh, that naive had to do later. Yeah. Uh,
1: there's also a, a little bit here where Maureen is thinking, kind of big picture about you know what she's learned and what the dragon means for the world and the status of the White Tower today, which is was interesting. You know, she's thinking about yeah. the how. Uh, she thinks it kind of throughout these chapters how the population of the White Tower is clearly, like, less... Like, the, the White Tower is in the decline, essentially. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. totally fading. It's failing. Yeah. It's running out of sisters. And I, I didn't realize it
2: was so obvious even to acceptance.
1: Well, I, I think Moraine, uh, her character, has a, an unusually big picture view, right?
2: Yeah, it's true. Uh, Swan talks about how she can't wait to go out and have adventures and see the world.
1: Well, <laughs> oh, Swan, you're oh. going to be
0: a bureaucrat. I know. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, I think this chapter to me had kind of like a fun Harry Potter vibe. Like it
0: did, right?
1: Yeah, it was like you have these kids at a wizard school with like their mystical destiny, except they're both Hermione for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they even have like a third buddy who's kind of a Ron type, you know, and a peripheral character who nobody wants around. Like in this little, I was like <laughs> this little tableau. I was like, hey, this this has a very familiar vibe. Yeah, it's neat. I like the the challenges for the magic test that uh, she was practicing
2: because. They're very specific, and they're also. I wonder: Are these specific, like useless weaves that they teach them, or are these just weaves that they don't know what they do anymore? So what? So it could they, be both, right? Yeah. So they just use them for this test.
1: Yeah, Ooh, um, that's I re-
2: evocative. Yeah.
1: I I, fi- I seem to recall from Ninie's testing, which we do get to witness, that they all do something within the actual like environment that you're in, or something. I, I vaguely remember that she used the the weaves at the end of each thing and it did something right
0: I don't think so I think think she just had to do them and they were meaningless she just had to memorize them
2: yeah because it was a focus thing you had to focus on doing these things instead of being distracted by your your childhood bully chasing you around or whatever yeah
1: Mm -hmm. some of I mean they do appear to do things just not particularly useful things like make the what is it the little coin that's unnaturally cold or something yeah (laughs) yeah
2: and uh, Myrel comes in and helps him out because in order to help Maureen practice, Maureen and Swan are like torturing her while she's doing these <laughs> uh, Not so
0: much torturing as it, just fucking with her. Right? Yeah, but
2: like, you know, yeah, I don't know, what's the
0: word? There's a, there's they a, are
2: causing her pain, right?
0: There's, I think it's a Mongolian tradition. I was watching a video of it where right. a dude is trying to shoot an arrow and all his friends will like punch his dick.
1: <laughs> as is tradition.
0: You know. <laughs> it's like a test of ability. Yeah, it's,
1: it's how in the locker room you like whip your friend's dick with a towel or whatever, you know? <laughs>
2: There were some of these things that they did to her that was like a very surprising caress. Which yeah. you, that was a little eyebrow-raising. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Oh, and then they turn her upside down, so her skirts... You know, she tries to push her skirts up, and they saw everything or whatever. Yeah.
2: Like, yeah. Okay, come on. This, this was a pretty Robert jordan chapter. Yeah, yeah it, it was. It was. But it was all... Yeah, it's very fun. It was, it fun. was almost yeah.
0: spankings. Close yeah. to spankings. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. It, it was fun. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this.
0: I also like their little... It is a little Harry Potter-esque. I like the little... uh uh, pranks that she and Swan do.
2: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Those are cool.
3: Yeah.
2: And then Tarna comes in with news that the Ammerland seat is going to address all the accepted. Yeah. And they all head to a big hall and they wait for the Ammerland seat to come in. And when she comes in, she's she announces that she's sending all the accepted to locate all the women who have given birth during the battle or about to give birth. Uh, and offer them a hundred gold.
1: Yeah, because Just, uh, they're celebrating the safety of the White Tower. Yeah, or yeah.
0: nobody's going to question that.
1: Yeah, this is not a great cover story. I don't yeah. think. Yeah, like this is this is poorly. I feel like this is poorly planned and like very expensive. Like I I get it. You know, you want to make sure that you draw people in so you don't miss people. Yeah, and a hundred crowns is a huge amount of money, but
0: we don't how rich the White Tower is, off. if it's like the Catholic Church, like, they can easily afford it.
2: Yeah. We
1: get the impression that they are very rich, for sure, yeah. yeah. And this is literally save-the-world type stuff, right? Yeah. You, can't you can take throw it with some you. money towards that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, so they're, they're trying to track down that baby, but we know that does not work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they're going to be accompanied by soldiers, and they are dismissed.
2: Chapter 4, Leaving the Tower, Icon of the tar Flame. Moraine hastens to pack for the journey.
1: This is this is funny to me because she's like, she packs like a palace kid, right? She's like, well, I like get a, a pen knife in case I need to carve my pen nibs. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's cracked me up. Uh, I mean, there's definitely some practical stuff but she's like an extra set of stockings, you know, like all this like, all this.
0: Her comb and hairbrush.
1: Yeah, definitely rich kid stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, then they meet up with uh, Swan and head down the same. Yeah, she has her own horse. Yeah. Uh, Swan is, of course, terrible at writing, and she never gets any better. That doesn't change, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In 20 years, she's still terrible at writing. <laughs> yep, 20 years writing a desk. As they're making their way from the stables to out of the city, this, this whole section is very classic Robert Jordan with the, the people in the city of Tarvalon.
2: Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, I thought there was a, a classic Robert Jordan uh, moment as the groom's ogle, her calf, <laughs> yeah. when, when her, her skirt rides up and she gets on the horse. Oh, calf. Ooh. And yeah, Tarvalon is just an awesome city. Like, every every building is interesting and, and cool to look at, and what a wonderful
1: place to live. Yeah, all you could think when I was reading this is, like, I would love to see a city like this. I, I guess there's nothing like this in the real world, where, like, every building is you know, a, a, a work of art or anything, I guess. So even like our, our our great ancient cities in, in the world today don't have things like that, you know? Yeah,
2: I don't know. Maybe like the, some big cities with skyscrapers, like all the skyscrapers are cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, maybe I guess you could argue Las Vegas, right? Where everything is a spectacle and it's, yeah. it's not as, I, it doesn't feel as, not not as classy, I guess. Yeah, but, it's
2: very different, very different vibe, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But I guess that's the closest you get to a place where every every building is designed to be a spectacle.
2: Right. And they, they join up with a uh, taciturn bannerman
1: uh, who's leading their military escort, and they head out of the city. Yeah, to, I, I got to say, like, I really feel for this guy because, <laughs> to put it politely, uh, Swan and Maureen are annoying little shits. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel for this guard, you know? Uh, these kids are like out of the tower for the first time and seem really intent on getting into trouble. And his only job is to keep them from getting into trouble. Right, yeah. He's like, no, we're not doing that. No, we're not doing that. They're no. like,
2: are, are you sure we, we shouldn't head over to where all the Aiel are? Like, like where's that big battle? Where was the really big battle? Let's go there. <laughs> and he's like, I, I hear what you're saying, but no, I'm not <laughs> we're not going to do that. We're not going to
1: do that.
0: And we see an ogre. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, there's yeah. Those stone workers there doing a Aww. repair, right? Yeah, and they throw Moraine a nice bow. Yeah, yeah.
2: They have a close call with some white cloaks after they get out of the city, and uh, suddenly Moraine appreciates having a bodyguard. Before this, she was annoyed with them.
1: Yeah, it, it's funny because uh, you know we know <clears throat> we know what the white white cloaks are like, but I guess the, these accepted have never had direct dealings with them. But the Ammerlin, on their as she's sending them out, says something along the lines of "Watch out for the white cloaks because they will kill you, <laughs> like just for fun, you know." Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, so it kind of puts the fear in them, you know. Like I mentioned, uh, Swan tries to talk the Bannerman guy
2: into taking them to Dragon Mount, mm-hmm. uh, and he's like, "Nope, yep. <laughs> not gonna happen."
1: Uh, I, I guess uh, her manipulation powers just aren't quite there yet. Oh yeah, it's funny. There's a whole bit where uh, Maureen is watching Swan stare at the guard, like <laughs> yeah. trying to like puzzle out how to solve it, and she's like, and she's like, okay, I'm ready. She goes up and does the whole thing, he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, see the Omblin really wants us to do this, thing, like, nope, not
2: gonna happen. Nope, yep, yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but no. Uh, I kinda like this guy. Mm-hmm. Then they, they end up heading to a Mirandian camp and set up to take the names. Chapter five, the human heart, like of the wheel of time. Uh, what I wrote was, oh
1: please, oh please, oh please, let this be the name of an inn. They the, say, uh, the, human the human heart. heart. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. That would be awesome. Is this like a, an anatomical heart for the sign. Right? Yeah, yeah. it would be great. It would be such
2: a cool inn. So they set up to register names, and there's a really unruly crowd. Everybody's bunching around
1: because they all want that gold. Yeah, it's line fighting. There are babies of dubious age. And it's almost like they didn't actually do a very good job of thinking this thing out.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, they. They. It's a really boring day. Maureen even helps out a really poor woman who... who Whose kid is clearly too old for the the payment, uh, but just looks really poor.
1: Yeah, I was yeah. like, you know, on the one hand, I appreciate them doing kind of this like charity work, but I'm also not sure how I feel about having a couple of kids from the White Tower arbitrating who's worthy of charity, but you know, here we are. It's true, yeah.
2: One of them so like, yeah. you
1: can get it, but you sound greedy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. This is the tyranny of bureaucracy, right? Yeah. Uh, they get a visit from Melin Sedai and Elida.
1: Uh, who they oh, hate.
0: There's fucking Elida.
1: Yeah, apparently she's taken an interest in Swan and Maureen. She does I, I will I, say she seems slightly less horrible at this point. I
2: think Elida this is Elida being fond of them. Yeah, I think you're right. Like I, I, I think this is Elida like trying to take them under her wing and like groom them to be red Aja or
1: whatever. It, which she does a poor job at. Because, and she's
2: terrible. It's like the worst. They hate her.
1: Yeah. They're like, they're kind of afraid of her. And they're like, every time she's around, they're like, concerned, they're worried about her. Yeah. And they're like, they're like oh God, I thought she was going to try and stick around, you know? <laughs> yeah. And Light is like, no, I, I really think I'm getting through to these kids. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and we it,
0: get a call out to Varen. Yeah. 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 She's a lecturer.
2: It's good. They, and uh, every time they need to know something interesting, they think about, what did Varen tell me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Because
1: great. I would take a class from Varen. Oh, me too. Even though she's Black Aja, you know. Yeah, but only kind of, right? I mean, there's no kind of Black Aja, in my opinion. She was Black Aja only to learn about Black Aja and then, share, and then hand all that information over to the good guys. Mm-hmm. That was her whole deal,
2: right? I don't know. That's kind of like, I don't know, becoming a, a drug runner to learn about drug running. You're still like drug yeah, running. Yeah, sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Or becoming a serial killer to learn about serial killing. Look, someone's got to learn, right? It's important <laughs> information. <laughs> so... They finish up. Uh, there's almost a riot uh, where they might, because yeah, they, they, when they might leave before taking all the names, uh, but they they manage to kind of handle it with the help of like some local wise woman who's got to be kin, right?
1: I, I was actually wondering that because they mentioned that she seems to know that they are not Isodai. That she recognizes that they are accepted. So they're like, yeah. oh, obviously she was in the White Tower. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I think she's kin. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: But the, by doing this and and putting in the effort to get as many names as possible, they've earned. That bannerman's respect. <laughs> That's right. And they barely make it to the White Tower in time because they're supposed to be back by dark. And then Maureen is summoned to the Mistress of Novices. Which is always
1: ominous yeah. you know, for an accepted. Yeah. She's like preparing her butt for a paddling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's like, What did this? It's It's funny because as she's going, she's not like, I didn't do anything. She's, she's thinking, What did they find out about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which thing did they learn that I did?
2: But the Mistress of Novices has terrible, devastating news for her. Her uncle, King Lamon, is dead.
1: And Maureen breathes a sigh of relief. Oh, yeah. oh thank goodness. Yeah.
2: Okay. Okay. So, so why'd you call me here? <laughs> <laughs> and and she's like, uh, uh, and your two uncles, like your his, his brothers, your other uncles. And she's like, good two. fuck
0: them. I hate them. <laughs> yeah, they're jackals anyway. <laughs>
2: yeah. Like uh, I'm carrying I'm royalty. They suck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's that's pretty funny. She yeah. does not care even a little bit.
1: Nope. And she she feels a little bad that she doesn't care, but you know, not yeah. that bad. They <laughs> suck. Yeah.
2: And then she and Swan spend a sleepless night worried about the Dragon Reborn and the last battle, which they know is coming.
1: Yeah. And, and again, you can't blame them for being worried about this. Everything that they know about the Dragon Reborn is that the world's going to gonna have some problems. And it's, not, it's actually, like, over the course of the 14 books, it's probably worse than they think, right? Because you think about, like, yes, you know, they won, but, like all the horrible things that happened all of the way the yeah. ways the nightmares that were unleashed on the world
2: yeah a lot of people died
1: yeah, yeah. a lot of people died
2: uh, i i guess i never really thought about it from this perspective or at least these chapters are putting me in the headspace because i always i always viewed moraine as being kind of a, a loon you know like that she's she's off on this quest to save the world but no one else really believes her Uh, no one else and and, you know there's a chance that she's just a crazy person you know like there's a lot of stuff where Rand is like can I trust Moraine you know is she right but here in these chapters you can totally see it from her perspective right yeah she knows it's true she knows foretelling is always accurate she Mm -hmm. knows the Dragon Reborn has been born it it wasn't even one of those ambiguous prophecies
1: yeah this was like hey the the Dragon Reborn just drew his first breath yeah
2: And
0: and she spends her life searching
2: yeah and she has to do something about it because she's she's the one that was standing there
1: yep and, and it's interesting, see. like like I guess Swan's rise to her Amelianship is because of this moment, right? Like I'm trying, I think that they orchestrated it solely so she could be running the White Tower, so that she could help with this thing, right? Yeah. So they 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 did a lot of work as a result of this.
2: I'm interested to see how that divide came down because you think the person who was raised in palace politics and the the game of houses or whatever would be the pick to be armor seat, And the one who wants to go have adventures would be the pick to go have adventures.
1: Well, yeah. you, you, you see, that's true. But as we, as we're reading, even these first chapters, Swan keeps being represented as a natural leader. Like she's the one who gets everyone organized at first when they're in the, that chaos line. She, she, Maureen thinks about how Swan is a way of talking to people. That so they listen to her even if they don't understand why you know right yeah. and,
0: and there's a little bit of a uh, not not foreshadowing but they Robert Jordan does tell us that out of all the Oberlins, only one of them was nobility and other ones were like peasants or merchants' children or something like yeah. that
1: yeah and, and in fact that like I think two of them were the beggars' children or something like that yeah something like that yeah
0: because once again Robert Jordan fucking hates aristocracy
1: he does
2: yeah that's that's interesting yeah I hadn't thought about it, but that's very unpoppy. You know, because the, the see is kind of the pope of the world, like yeah. the, the Rand world, mm-hmm. uh, and the popes tend to come, or historically they tend to be like it's like a nobility thing.
0: Yeah, right? historically, not yeah. not in modern day.
2: Yeah, but but over the over the long haul. Yeah, right?
0: I'm trying to think though, because Robert Shorn, would have it would have been Pope John Paul who came from pretty modest beginnings, if I remember right.
2: Yeah, I think he's probably looking at the like it's more of like an old. It's not like a modern pope. It's more like yeah. A, like an old school pope, sure. Yeah, who's really like a, Somebody, a politician? Yeah,
0: who's on the same level as kings and queens and yeah. stuff. Yeah, All right. Or above.
1: Yeah, and like the pope has access to secret magic powers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the the pope's you know secret wizard wizard book. Uh,
2: this was great. I already saw it. I already said it, but uh, I missed Robert
1: Jordan. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I, this, this
0: was delightful.
1: Yeah, I, I will say that there are some places where uh, Robert Jordan's prose uh like he I, I would say he almost gets too deep into it so you'll go a long time with no action at all or no no, no nothing actually happening it's yeah. a lot of like walking and thinking which is you know kind of a classic Robert jordan thing but yeah you're you're right it's he's yeah he's a, he's a great writer
2: yeah he's it's also the later books in the series did not do a lot of recap like the yeah. earlier books did remember yeah. the early books there'd be like two or three chapters where people just Think about all the things they know. A yep. hundred so pages. Yep. Some of those things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of recap here. Yeah, okay. it's cool.
0: I'm I'm pleased we ended up reading what we did because we asked our listeners like when should we read New Spring and we had a few responses. Uh, there are people who are like, well, it's the prequel. You should have read it first. There are people who said you should read it in the order in which it was written. So like after book 10, I think we said Winter's Heart or something like that. But I'm really glad that we actually read it at the end because we have all of Moraine's story. I think it's really cool to be able to read from the perspective of knowing how it all ends up.
1: I agree. I completely agree.
2: And then Maureen turned to Swan and said, well, the one thing I'm sure
1: of is I'll never be held captive by foxy people in another dimension. And someone's like, and I'm gonna travel the world. <laughs> <laughs> High five. <laughs> I'm never gonna mention fish again.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's it for this episode.
2: Next time we're gonna cover chapters six through twelve of New Spring, the Wheel of Time prequel. I am Jeff Lake, that's JeffLake.info.
0: I'm Alice Sullivan, that's Blue Bonnet Cafe on Instagram.
2: I'm Micah Sparkman. I still don't have one of those. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at armadillo.club. We love
0: hearing from
3: you.
2: <laughs> uh, please share us with anybody you think will like this please give us good reviews
1: wherever you got this or give us bad reviews apparently any review at all is good right yeah but you know yeah. like if you give us bad reviews then we can just laugh at you yeah uh, yeah, it's, yeah we, if you give us bad
2: reviews i guarantee we'll read it to each other in silly voices
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> please find out how you can support us with your dollars at armadillo.club Please like us in real life. We're just so likable. Until next time, The the Light Illuminate.